either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. Not quite as busy as it has been in the screening room, but still some good stuff to talk about. Glad you're here for it. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com, and let's start this week with a superstar singer and her overworked personal assistant presented with a choice that could alter the course of their respective careers. It's the high note. What am I supposed to say to her? I'm just a personal assistant, but I'd love to produce your music. Let me do my job, and you do yours, which is get her coffee, Kleenex, Kotex, and whatever else the hell we've been paying you to do for the last six months. I've been here for three years. You get paid? I thought you were an intern. It's really bleak out there for middle-aged singers. In the history of music, only five women over 40 have ever had a number one hit, and only one of them was black. I've been feeling... I know everyone is happy with me doing the same show every night. What if there's something more? Grace, I didn't want to tell you or Jack, but I did a cut of your song. All we got to do is play it safe and stack some money. I will decide what I do next. Here's a movie that is considerably better than it had any right to be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a movie where you're going to guess a lot that what happened, a lot of what happens, maybe at least one thing you won't, and it's certainly not going to reach you on a deep philosophical level. But is it going to entertain you in a feel good way? Yes, it is. Well, you know, actually, I think it's better even than that because I think that the performances are great. They and really the, are. The, the star power here is amazing, but also Kelvin Harrison Jr. Wow. I mean, this is this is a guy with some range because yeah. he's just playing the hot, you know, sort of seductive romantic lead, which is not what we're used to in him. Yeah, it's a bit of a romantic comedy. It's also a bit of a, almost a, a woman buddy kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And it, there's a lot of music in it. Although someone asked me this morning, is it a musical? No. I wouldn't call it a musical, but it's it's really full of music and good music, which is really important when you have a music business-based movie. The music should be good. Right. And it is. And it starts with Tracy Ellis Ross. Now, we don't watch Blackish. She's been around a while, but she really grows to fame here in the last few years on the TV show Blackish. Mm -hmm. And it took me a little while before I realized she's the daughter of Diana Ross. And uh, so I've seen recent interviews with her where she talked about how apprehensive she was, even though she wanted to show, she's been wanting to show for a while that she could sing, mm -hmm. she's obviously apprehensive about that. <laughs> because not only do you have, oh, another TV star wanting to sing, but, oh, it's the daughter of Diana Ross yeah, wanting to sing. Yeah, so, that's big shoes to fill. Yeah, that's intimidating. But I'm telling you what, she kills it. Yeah, she does a great she, she job. She does a fantastic job. She sounds great. I don't know. I mean, her voice is, I think, a lot of ways in some of these songs, stronger. Yeah, it's a much than, fuller voice yeah, than her mom's, as much as, as much of an icon as Diana Ross is, not the strongest voice in the world. But well, one of the things I really love about this performance is that it would be so easy for this to be, you know, this superficial diva kind of a character. And while she definitely is a diva, there's no getting around it. She's a fully-fledged human being. She's a fully-developed human character with yes. flaws and and good points as well. And I um, I applaud that because I, I'm trying to think the last time you saw that, the diva foil, who wasn't just, just sort of loathsome. Well, that gives you a clue as to how many things are going on in this movie because she plays, uh, Tracy Ellis Ross plays Grace Davis, this longtime legendary singer, although she hasn't had a hit in a while. 
And her personal assistant of three years is Maggie, played by Dakota Johnson. And then her longtime manager and friend is Jack, played by Ice Cube. And they've reached a point where Jack, the manager, and everybody else involved in the business side of Grace Davis's career wants her to just go off and do a residency in Vegas and just rest on her laurels and do take, the same show and night take after that night. money. Mm-hmm. That's right. But then you've got the personal assistant, Maggie, who actually has been moonlighting, trying to mix some tracks, and she actually wants to be a producer. And she is encouraging Grace to, no, cut new music. And and, and you're not done. Because uh, she's a fan. Right. She's a fan is, as well. And she has been kind of on her own time messing around with mixing some of her tracks and trying to show that she can be a producer, too, which doesn't sit well, really, with everybody. And then, oh, look, she... Maggie finds this great new talent played by Kelvin Harrison Jr., mm-hmm. who you might have seen in Waves and It Comes at Night. He's great. Yes. And he's a great musical talent. Didn't know he could sing, but he sounds fantastic. Because he so, can do everything. So this guy might need an L.A. producer, and he might need a girlfriend. Who knows? So who that's, knows? that's where the romantic comedy type of thing comes in. So you have all that working. And it does have the relationship between the star Mm -hmm. and then her assistant, two women of different generations who are both being told either to be quiet or to go off in another direction than what you really want to. And so I think what you were alluding to, I think, without putting words in your mouth, that the movie does show a nice relationship between them and how they are fighting for their own respective destinies to be in their own hands. Exactly. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I like about the movie is that it doesn't beat you over the head with that. It lets each of them address in their own way because they're very different characters and they're very thoughtfully created by the performers address in their own way exactly what that struggle is Mm -hmm. and how it looks quite different for each of them, but is maybe just as daunting. And I do. I think that that's where the strength of the movie really is. Partly is that it is two women just trying to determine for themselves what their future looks like. But also one of the things I thought was the best thing about this movie is that they're not actually pitted against each other. Right. So often in a film like this, it's not really a buddy picture. Right. It's that the younger has to somehow expose the the diva for the shallow, horrible person that she is so that the younger person can get ahead. And that this never stoops to that. And I really appreciated that. Yeah. And, and then, I like we mentioned, in a music movie, it's important that... The music sounds good. Like, it actually is a song or a group of songs that people in the music business might be excited about. Yeah. And I think for the most part, it's that's the case here. And not just that. It's enjoyable for the movie goer to listen. Yeah. It is. Very much so. And Tracy Ellis Ross has a couple of good, strong, lengthy chances to perform these songs. And I think one in particular is a song called Love Myself. I think is already on radio and on the charts looking like a hit. So that bodes well for the movie. And I I would be shocked if people didn't like this movie. I can't see people seeing it and thinking that it sucked. They might not like it as well as we did, but I think especially right now when, you know, you want some good music, you want some good performances, some something that just, yeah, puts a smile on your face. I I really think this fits the bill. Yeah. And I think like you mentioned, everybody's everybody is good. I mean, mm-hmm. Dakota, Dakota Johnson strikes a nice uh, mix between, you know, she's young, she's naive, but she's ambitious as well and and wants to fight for what she's doing. And and Tracy Ellis Ross is perfect. And I think it does have to do with probably how long she's waited for this moment. You can can feel it. Mm -hmm. You really can. Her she Like you said, she is easy to root for. She is a diva. She is spoiled, but not so much where you just want to see her fail. No. Because she points out to Maggie and to the rest of us, 
that the entertainment business, the music business especially, is not always kind to aging women, especially aging women of color. Yeah. The writer, it's actually the debut screenplay for Flora Greeson is her name, and the director is Nisha Ganatra, and she did Late Night, yeah. which I think we, we both viewed as one of the biggest disappointments as far as missing an audience of last year. Exactly. It was so much fun, it and it just nobody saw it, which is unfortunate because, I mean, top to bottom, it was so much fun, but it was this just glorious long look at Emma Thompson and how amazing she is. And it was written and co-starring Mindy Kaling, right. who did a great job. Oh, sure. Yeah, 2019 was just a bad year for R-rated comedies that were good. Yeah. And and that was one of them, but we got off track there. So anyway, Nisha Ganatrip directs this, and really channels this debut script through this fantastic cast and and gets something that's very entertaining. And our other new one is a documentary about a comedy genius, a hot new director, and a 17th century pirate film. What could possibly go wrong? It's called The Ghost of Peter Sellers. For 43 years, I covered up this dark spot on my life. I carried this grudge all these years. The idea came to do this 17th century pirate comedy. A film starring Peter Sellers. He was the greatest comic actor in the world. But very difficult. I'm not difficult at all. Very, very, very difficult. (laughs) From the first second, Peter did everything to get off the movie. I'd have to think of something else. Despite of it all, I absolutely loved him because he was a genius. Who's with me? Yeah! And it was just great to be there for a second. I always enjoy documentaries that are behind the scenes about a movie. We loved the one from last year that was about Alien and one lost in La Mancha, which yeah, is yeah. which is in a lot of ways more similar to this one because a documentary crew was shooting while Terry Gilliam was trying mm-hmm. to shoot the man who killed Don Quixote. And so they caught all the catastrophes that made that film not take place. And then you remember they did a few years ago about uh, Apocalypse Now. Yes. The filming, yeah. And when you get behind the productions of these, sometimes in that case... And in Alien case, it's it's a landmark film. This one, not so much. This is more about the goings-on and the, the, the personality clashes that really made sure you never knew about this movie in the first place because it never got released. Right. The movie is called Ghost in the Noonday Sun. And it's 1973. And Peter Medak, who's just come off of a couple of, of big films, he would eventually go on to direct The, the Changeling. Uh, but he was sort of, sort of the up-and-coming director. And Peter Sellers decided that he should direct this pirate comedy and and uh, medic jumped at the chance to mm-hmm. work with peter sellers and it was a doomed film from the beginning one of my favorite scenes is when they recount they all go to cyprus and they're all standing there watching this glorious pirate ship pull into the harbor which is where they're going to film most of the film is on this glorious pirate ship that they've that they've refitted and it sinks <laughs> It sinks before it gets to cyprus Not they all start. watch it sink oh my yeah, and you really get the point. It it talks to the the director a lot, and you, boy, you really see how he's been carrying this around for decades, just weighing on him. Even though, as you say, he did go on. I mean, the Changeling is remembered pretty fondly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not like he never worked again, but this has just carried him around. 
I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that Peter Sellers was dead less than 10 years later, and he never got closure. Yes, no, I think you're exactly right. And honestly, um, there are a lot of points in this movie that are just fascinating in the, in the way that, ways that we were just discussing. But in most of the film, it is talking about how Peter Sellers himself tanked this movie. He was a, a damaged, probably, the, 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 his friends referred to him as somebody with an undiagnosed mental condition Mm -hmm. and his behavior clearly was beyond erratic and he he wanted the film shut down and i think a lot i think you're exactly on on target that that medak was unable to ever really find any kind of resolution for himself because he was never obviously able to work anything out with sellers and so this whole experience this entire film is really him recounting reliving hashing things out with some of the people some of the people that he talks to are some of the producers that made his life more miserable and they come to some interesting resolutions some of the other some of the best scenes are when he medic is talking to directors of other peter sellers movies and they just commiserate on how excited all of them were to get to work with this genius and how abusive and horrible (sighs) their experience was with him And it doesn't feel like they're heaping on, right? Because it's clear that all of them are in awe of Peter Sellers as a comic genius. Mm -hmm. And and I don't think anybody's disputing what they went through because he was a difficult actor to work with. I think the movie fails because Medak directed the documentary. Yeah. And he's a, it's a fascinating subject, and he's a fascinating subject, but as the director, too many times it feels like a pity party. Yeah, you, you felt like you needed somebody else there to just kind of rein him in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sort of recognize that the audience is a lot more interested in the details of the film and the catastrophes therein than they were in his own personal... Vendetta is a strong word, yeah. but, you know, his his hashing out and working things out, that's less interesting, I think, to the rest of us, partly because, as you say earlier, it didn't ruin his career he he looks at it as though he could have had a much stronger career had this not happened yeah. but as you say i mean he did changeling he's he, you know he he's worked steadily since then so yeah but if you are interested in that behind the scenes stuff as we are or maybe for a peter sellers fan that one might be worth checking out it's the ghost of peter sellers and you can find it at gatewayfilmcenter.org that's another case where you can see a film and give a little something it benefits at least in a small way a great movie theater here in Columbus, Ohio, so everybody wins. You know what? There's another one. If you didn't catch it last week, we talked about this one last week, and it is now available at the Gateway Film Center at gatewayfilmcenter.org, and it is Lucky Grandma, which was such a hoot. <laughs> it was such an enjoyable movie, and in fact, it was so good that Omar, our friend Omar, tweeted at us because he was very excited to see Lucky Grandma because he loves Tsai Chin. Uh-huh. The, the, n- nai Nai. He loves her. <laughs> but it's, just, it's always good to hear from Omar. It is. He's a long, long-time yeah. screening room listener, so we appreciate that. Appreciate that very much. And with that, let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Well, leading off the lobby on the typical VOD schedule, one we just talked about a couple of weeks ago and loved, called The Vast of Night. This is one that's a throwback to vintage sci-fi, really vintage sci-fi TV, about a DJ and a teenage switchboard operator getting caught up in maybe chasing some messages from outer space. It looks fantastic. It sounds fantastic. See it. Also, another documentary is out, a music documentary, Once Were Brothers, Robbie Robertson and the Band. 
just what the title says it is. It's about Robbie Robertson mainly, but also the band, the band. And we're not the biggest fans of the band. Well, I know. C- certainly respect their accomplishments, but I found it really engrossing. I was surprised by how incredibly engaging Robbie Robertson was, because I am, to say I'm not a band fan is that, I mean, I don't hate them. I just don't ever want to have to hear them. He's but very engaging. He is. And he looks fantastic. It's crazy. He's up there with Lionel Richie about, I don't know what these guys are doing, <laughs> drinking blood or something, but both of them look fantastic. But you're right. He's a very engaging, affable storyteller, and he tells some great stories. He does. If you like those music documentaries, even if you're not a huge fan of the subject, they can be really entertaining and enlightening, and I think this is worth checking out. Once We're Brothers, it's called. Also out on DVD, Invisible Man. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So great. It's just another example of what a remarkable talent Elizabeth Moss is. Because this is a fun movie, it's a fun B movie, mm-hmm. and man, she elevates it to something so much higher than it than it should exactly. have been. Exactly. It's, it's one of those... I mean, there's a lot of talented actors out there, but this one, it is fun, but you just keep thinking, boy, take her out of it. Or take somebody that didn't deliver like she delivers, and it wouldn't be nearly as effective. No, it's so she good. is fantastic. And another strong performance in a weaker film out on DVD this week is called Endings, Beginnings. This is Shailene Woodley, who's almost always good. That's true. And this is one of those find-myself stories where her, char- <laughs> her character leaves a long-time relationship and goes across the country and tries to find herself when the ambition is there, I guess, but it just turns out to be a story of rationalized selfishness. Yeah, dear Shailene, donate blood, maybe <laughs> maybe work at a food pantry for a minute, you know what I mean? But, what what you choose to do to help other people, it's just a little, it uh, doesn't make a lot of sense Yeah, to me. but the, the story is not the, the draw here, it's her performance, because she does make her character interesting and the kind of character that is, admittedly, often the kind of female character that is often ignored in, in movies, so she's the reason to see this. Otherwise, uh, not so much for endings, beginnings, and Honestly, we wanted to mention actually four other documentaries with all the unrest that is going on in this country right now. It's just it's just enough to make your heart sick. But it really, when you're involved in movies as much as we yeah. are, you, you see things and you immediately think of a movie that you saw. Especially right now, there are four that came come to mind. All four are documentaries. And... They just help maybe understand the situation, I guess, a little bit better, Get dig a little bit deeper. And three of them have to do with the nature of law enforcement in this country. And Ava DuVernay's 13th, oh my. which came out. These are all recent movies. Yeah. I think 2016 yeah. was uh, 13th. That obviously involves, looks at it from the racial point of view. And then you've got a small movie from a few years ago as well called Peace Officer. Yeah, 2015, and it's yeah, it's another one that is just so, so insightful. It is, because this one takes the angle of the increased militarization of police forces. It's not judgmental about uh, police officers. It takes you through how, over the last several years, even small police forces in small towns have become increasingly militarized with military tactics, and it's it's very insightful. And another one that focuses on law enforcement from the angle of the code of silence is a movie called The 7-5. From 2014, yeah, that's a great one. And if you want to skip up to another 2017 one, Whose Streets? Yeah, that has more to do with the unrest, the protest. This movie focuses mainly on the protests in Ferguson, uh, Missouri, uh, but certainly is very urgent as we record this today. There are protests going on here in our town in Columbus, Ohio, and all over the country that have turned violent and and destructive. And uh, it's a way to 
understand what's going on uh, a little bit more. So all four of those, 13th, Peace Officer, The 7-5, and Whose Streets, who would really recommend great, insightful documentaries that sadly continue to be very relevant. Looking ahead to next week, we've got a couple of one-word name titles. We do. Well, I can't remember the last time I was as excited about a movie as I am about Shirley, because the great Elizabeth Moss plays the great Shirley Jackson. Very excited about that one. And also, actually, Becky. Very excited for Becky. Next week is a good week for horror. That's the one. Becky is the one with Evan James. Yes. As a heavy. As a heavy. Tatted up heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Dreamland, I don't know about. It's another horror movie, and Henry Rollins is in it, so that's Uh, always... That's yeah. always pleasant. <laughs> Last Days of American Crime. That's on Netflix, I believe. Also, The Deeper You Dig. Yeah, it's another horror film. Another exciting wow. horror film for next week, as well as Scream Queen. Oh, we just watched that last night. Yep. That's a Shudder. That's a new Shudder yep. original. A documentary about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. 2. All right, so we'll talk In about... In time for Pride Month. Oh, yeah. So we'll talk about all those next week. In the meantime, let us know about any of the movies this week. We're always up to talk and keep the conversation going. You can find us on Twitter. That's the easiest, at MadWolf, M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it is MadWolfColumbus. And the main website where you can find all of our written reviews and our other horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. All that is just a click away at MadWolf.com. And if you would, just do us a favor while you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, rate, and review. We would appreciate it. Always do. So until next time, she is Hope Mad. He's George Wolf, And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs> <laughs>